What's good, Ohio? I'm your host, James Hayes, and this is the What's Good Ohio podcast, where we talk to activists, organizers, visionaries, and good troublemakers coming together to make our state better for everyone, no exceptions. Today, I'm joined by Ben Stein of Policy Matters Ohio as we speak with Jordan Close, the Deputy Director of Ohio Women's Alliance and a fierce abortion advocate, organizer, and storyteller. Reproductive freedom groups have been busy collecting signatures to put abortion on the ballot in November 2023, and they're getting close to reaching their goal. As we prepare for a fight to enshrine abortion access and reproductive rights in the Ohio Constitution, Jordan shares insights into the signature gathering process so far and why this is such a huge, monumental moment for Ohioans. Without further ado, let's get into what's good with the reproductive freedom movement in Ohio. Welcome, Jordan, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us and all the work that you've been doing. Before we get started talking about this historic ballot campaign that y'all have got going on and the effort to protect reproductive freedom in Ohio, I'd love to just get started getting to know who you are a little bit and sort of dig into who you are and how you got into this work. So I was wondering, where in Ohio are you from? Oh, gosh. Um, So I am officially from Columbus, Ohio, but had a lot of my formative years, middle school and high school in Bell Fountain, Ohio, equally 614 and 937. I can imagine that was uh, an interesting juxtaposition. Yes. What was it like growing up for you spending those years in Bell Fountain? It's actually really funny because we are doing canvassing for the ballot in Bell Fountain on Sunday. And that'll be the first time that I'm doing like a lot of civic engagement work in Bell Fountain. So I'm really excited to do that because when I was growing up there, I don't even think I remember anyone talking about abortion largely. It was just such a taboo topic that people weren't even talking like negatively about it. It just wasn't in the sphere of conversation. And so... When I had my abortion, when I was 18, when I was living in Logan County, I had to come to Columbus and I didn't feel like I had a support system because of just the climate in Bell Fountain. It's very much a small, small town mindset. You keep things private. You don't share uh, your family business. And so coming into the repro space after that has been really healing, really great, very different. <laughs> It's cool. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. How did you get involved in this work? How did you get involved in the repro space? Honestly, by complete accident. Uh, <laughs> when I had my abortion, I was 18 years old. That was in 2015. And then I didn't really talk about it for around two years after, not because I had any negative feelings about it. Uh, it was the easiest decision I've ever made. But because of the like societal shame and stigma. And so I was honestly bamboozled into going to an event that was benefiting Abortion Fund of Ohio back when we were still who. And that was a comedy event. Pat Deering and Amber put that on back in the day. And the executive director, who at the time, was doing some crowd canvassing for one of our largest fundraisers of the year. And I have a a real big competitive streak. I was like, I guess I've had an abortion. I could start a little fundraiser for one. And then I got really competitive about it, about being the number one fundraiser. 
And that led me to a couple of fundathon events, which led me to meeting the homies at Pro Choice Ohio. I started volunteering and then eventually had an official internship with Pro Choice Ohio. And that led to joining the board at AFO, which led to starting to do some abortion storytelling with We Testify, which is a national abortion storytelling cohort. And then I was really in. I was like, oh, this is where I want to be or I need to be or my community is. They can't get rid of me. Started organizing full-time with Urge, Night for Reproductive and Gender Equity. And that was my first foray into campaign world. And now, bada bing, bada boom, ended up at Ohio Women's Alliance, uh, starting as our executive fellow. And now I'm the deputy director. It's amazing. Quite a trajectory. And fast. Well, okay. So I want to talk to you about sort of our current situation, but also how we got here. So um, like for a really long time, reproductive justice leaders were saying, hey, Roe is not settled law. It's not being treated as such. It is under threat. Well, and it seems like maybe not everybody who is currently aware of that or who has come to understand that was on board or engaged with that work. When that decision leaked ahead of time and people started getting nervous, like that seems like when some organizations on the left really started getting behind this work. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about just kind of where you were when that SCOTUS decision came out and how the work has kind of changed since then. Yeah, it has been really interesting to watch the kind of infusion of energy since the leak and since the actual uh, decision overturning Roe came down last summer. Like you said, Black women, Black femmes, Black people in the RJ space have been really shouting from the rooftops, begging for support uh, the past few decades. So knowing that it was going to happen was a much different feeling than it actually happening. I mean, it was absolutely terrible, especially in Ohio. The Roe decision came out around 1030 in the morning. And we were actually tabling at a festival in Columbus. And during that, while we are answering questions from people walking up to our table, asking what's happening, we at that time thought that we would have at least a few months until Ohio would allow the six-week ban to go into effect. In actuality, it was, I think, two and a half hours later that we found out that our clinics would have to stop providing care by 3 p.m. that day. And so on top of this huge national loss in Ohio, it caused so much harm and so much chaos because we were just not anticipating a total loss within a matter of hours. It was not a good day. But we have amazing staff across all of our repro orgs that were uh, supporting our clinics with rescheduling people, getting people out of state, getting people in that day up until 3 p.m. when we had to stop. And then immediately pivoting towards doing a lot of harm reduction work with our abortion funds, with our homies in Hamilton County that have consistently uh, stayed these bans in the court. But yes, a very hard day, even though we knew it was coming for a while, uh, was still very much a punch in the gut. Yeah, totally. Thanks for taking us through that. I know it's meant so much to so many people. And 
like you said, since that time when the decision was leaked, an outpouring of support and a lot of momentum all over the country. And we've seen in a number of states, like in Michigan, most recently uh, in Kansas, you know, I think even last year, the legislature there referred some legislation to the ballot to repeal the constitutional protections that voters had, had voted for the year before and voters rejected that referendum. So, you know, there still is a lot of support out there in the public for protecting reproductive rights. Could you take us through a little bit of like, how did this coalition come together to take on this historic fight? So our coalition, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom, is uh, eight core historic repro groups, including the ACLU. And it's the people that have been fighting this fight in Ohio uh, for the past few decades. So Abortion Fund of Ohio, Ohio Women's Alliance, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio, Preterm, which is the first independent clinic and the first unionized clinic in the nation, New Voices for Reproductive Justice, really the people that have been leading this fight after Roe fell and we saw the momentum in other states like Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, they struck down a bad initiative uh, to uphold their access in Montana. And we just knew that it was really now or never. That has been made extra clear by the attacks that we've been facing as a campaign. But we knew that the majority of Ohioans support access to reproductive freedom. The majority of Americans support access to reproductive freedom. And Ohioans are ready to stand up and fight. And so we pulled this coalition together, made the strategic decision to move forward with 2023. Really excited about the energy that we've seen around the campaign so far and are really excited to hit our signature threshold and then secure a win in November. I want to talk to you about collecting those signatures, but first, I just want to reiterate, shout out to Preterm. They're like around the corner for me here on Cleveland's east side and uh, nothing like having a friendly neighborhood repro clinic in the area, you know? I love them. (laughs) Whenever this comes out, at least one or two of them will be listening. So that's nice. (laughs) So, I don't know, last week I was at a community meeting in my neighborhood and one of my neighbors had her petitions out. And so you know, everybody signed and, you know, there were like 25, 30 of us there. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is going so well. But then I started thinking about the numbers. It's such an enormous amount of signatures that you need. And then you need way, way more because so many of them will be challenged. So can you talk about like the logistics and the day-to-day of collecting those signatures, what that looks like and how you manage to get that just quantity of names on paper? Yeah, it has been a really robust situation. We have our, what I've been referring to as our soft side, which is the volunteer side. All of our eight orgs are running signature collection campaigns. We are also building out our coalition, inviting in our partners across the state, training them up so they can run their own signature collection efforts. In addition to our other coalition partners, OPPR, Red Wine and Blue is running a very large signature collection program. In addition to that, we do have a paid side. Um, So we're working with a paid vendor to do a lot of signature collection to help us hit our overall number, which is around 800,000 signatures that we're (laughs) trying to collect. 
to end up with that uh, 413,000 valid signature number. We have people across the state doing signature collection every day. We have a really robust quality control process as well. We are ahead of the curve, knowing that our signatures are really going to be uh, looked at under a microscope. Our opposition has made it clear that they will stop at nothing and at every turn try to undercut our campaign. That's why we are collecting so many signatures. We know uh, that Ohioans deserve and want reproductive freedom. It's clear seeing the energy during signature collection. And so we're just going to collect extra because we know that they're going to be very nitpicky is the word that I'll use. (laughs) Um, But the signature collection efforts have been really exciting. I have worked on a few other initiative campaigns, and this is the first ballot and just campaign at large that I haven't even really had to like do my spiel and persuade people. Like we've been out in the community and people will see us wearing an abortion shirt and holding a clipboard and are like hunting us down being like, is that the repro ballot initiative? Can I sign it? Like, how do I help? And so there is a a lot of energy around this campaign that we're really excited about. HJR1 and SJR2, I think are the numbers, right? Like these, in addition to raising the threshold of 60%, there's also something about how you'll need to have something like 5% of all the voters in all 88 counties or something. There's nothing like that on the books currently. Are you preparing for that possibility by getting into counties where you otherwise wouldn't normally be canvassing? Because HJR1 was introduced in the last legislative session, we had an idea of where we would have to scale up the campaign in case something were to be reintroduced. Uh, Lo and behold, (laughs) HJR1 was introduced in this session, followed by SJR2. And so we have been targeting statewide, holding our collection efforts statewide. And so we will exceed the uh, 44 county benchmark that is currently law because we are just covering all of our bases. (laughs) You would use this word, Jordan, undermine. And obviously that's like the most clear attempt that is out there right now to undermine the momentum that y'all have. I don't think y'all have released any like public polling, but I'm sure, you know, based on Kansas passed their initiative at like 59%. I mean, The support is there. They know that they can't win at 50%. I'm not even sure they can win at 60%, but it's clear that that's, you know, the Hail Mary attempt that they have. I was wondering if you could talk about some of the other attempts you've seen to undermine the campaign or opposition to the campaign. What does that look like? What can we expect in the way of opposition to this ballot? I think that folks that are either in the political space, uh, the social justice movement in Ohio, in the Midwest, a lot of their attacks look really similar to attacks that we've seen before across the board of our issues. Their attack ads, they I, I'm pretty sure so far they have put five plus million into uh, attack ads. They are trying to challenge the ballot board decision. They're just really throwing everything at us, hoping that something will stick because they're scared of the momentum and they know that they continue to act outside of what Ohioans want. And so their efforts continue to go into maintaining their own power rather than supporting the communities that they claim to represent. And so, I mean, that looks like 
throwing democracy as a whole under the bus um, to prevent our ballot from reaching the finish line. That looks like continuing attacks on trans youth, education, really all of the attacks that we're seeing move through the state house right now. They are also throwing at this ballot initiative. And we know from being in the RJ movement that all of our liberation is tied. And so we are unwilling as a campaign and as all of our own individual orgs to ever scapegoat a community in the hopes of getting a higher voter turnout. And so we are figuring out what messaging resonates. We're going through a really intense research process And our research is showing that we obviously will be standing in solidarity with those communities. While we are fighting this fight, we are uplifting our uh, non-binary trans siblings in the fights that they are also facing right now in the state house and our state at large. So yeah, no one is being left behind. And while they are attacking all of our marginalized communities in the hopes to kill our ballot initiative, we are making sure that we are raising people up and making sure that they are protected and safe because these ads and the attacks that they're doing are putting people in danger. How are Ohioans and organizations around Ohio organizing across race, gender, and then also like geography and even issue area? Yeah, so we have been building a really wide coalition. Over 60 organizations have endorsed Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom. And even within the eight core organizations, we all do very specific things, even though we are all under the larger repro umbrella. Ohio Women's Alliance is one of the only reproductive justice organizations in the state one of the only reproductive justice organization that runs statewide field campaign work. And so we're doing a lot of outreach to Black and Brown communities, in addition to Planned Parenthood, Advocates of Ohio, New Voices for Reproductive Justice. We are getting support from OFUPAC, Ohio Families uh, United Against Police Brutality. And so we are identifying the partners that are either already in the fold or need to be brought into the fold because they're the trusted messengers of their community. Just like Red, Wine, and Blue is going to talk to uh, women in the suburbs. ACLU is going to talk to uh, more policy-minded people statewide. We have a lot of partners that hold it down in Northeast Ohio and Southern Ohio. We are really holding our field program through a relational organizing lens not trying to do all of the work ourselves, bringing in people that already know how to talk to their communities and equipping them with the resources and education on how to talk about repro and how to talk about abortion and letting them bring their people along. That all sounds amazing as everything comes together. Reminds me of, you know, kind of like Voltron coming together. It's going to take that type of effort. And I was just wondering if you could, you've obviously touched on this a little bit, Maybe one of the questions we'll wrap up with is just share a little more about the context about like what's at stake right now in this moment. Why do people need to be you know, paying attention and showing up for this particular fight? There are so, so many reasons. I mean, first and foremost, this is truly our like one shot at protecting abortion access and reproductive freedom in Ohio. 
we have seen that our opposition is not going to stop attacking bodily autonomy, attacking reproductive freedom. And so this adds a base layer of protection into our state constitution where we can continue these fights into the future. And Ohio is and has held a position as a protection state for the states around us that are facing total bans, especially in the Midwest and the South. Florida just had a six-week ban passed last week, and Florida was really the last stronghold in the South for people that are seeking abortion care. And so all of those thousands and thousands of people that are in the South and in the Midwest and other states that can't access care are coming to Ohio, are going to Massachusetts, are going to New York, are going to Michigan and Kentucky to seek care. And so if we don't secure access in Ohio, it makes it harder just for abortion patients seeking care, but also it makes it harder for other states that want to put an initiative like this up. It makes it harder for them to maintain the momentum and also for them to get the investment in their state. Like Ohio has seen a lack of investment the past few years because of our maps, because of our legislature. And it's not an accurate reflection of what Ohioans want. And so on top of maintaining access and maintaining healthcare for Ohioans, a national spotlight is on us because we have to win so that other states can go on and win. In addition to that, I think that when we're looking forward to 24, this is such an important opportunity for all of the progressive orgs across our issues in Ohio to really come together and do some serious power building when we look ahead to the Senate races, the presidential races that are coming up. We all really have to be in lockstep solidarity before those campaigns start so that we'll get the support, the turnout, the relationships that we need to continue being successful in Ohio two, five, 10 years down the line. Something you just said connects to something I've been thinking lately. I have, I spent many years living in Massachusetts and grew up in New York state. So when I complain about kind of Ohio's everything, the message I get from folks is like, wow, man, yeah, that's rough. And then that's kind of it, right? And like, you just made the case better than I've ever heard anyone make it for like interstate solidarity around this particular issue, but then also that extends, right? Like we desperately need, we need coalitions across state lines as well. And that's, I had not heard it framed in quite that way before. So thank you for that. I'll use that in my personal conversations as well. When we get to the point where we're doing like little TikTok shorts, I feel like that'll be one of them for sure. You know, you had hella sound bites, hella sound bites. (laughs) That was one of them. Well, yeah, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us taking time out of all the work that you're doing. I know every single day, you know, is grind right now. And so really appreciate you taking time to share your story with us, share some of your reflections on uh, what's going on around the country here in Ohio. How can people help? People can gather signatures, but where should our listeners be going to plug in if they're not plugged in right now? Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom is across all social platforms. You can find a list of all our statewide events, our pickup and drop-off times on our website, ohioansreproductivefreedom.org. Also find all of that information through Ohio Women's Alliance. We do have pretty cute graphics. We have some pretty cute TikToks. Hit us up, follow us. 
Um, you can sign up to volunteer with us. You can host your own events, whichever way that you want to plug into this campaign, whatever you have to offer uh, the repro movement and Ohioans for reproductive freedom in this moment, we will find a space for you. It's a all hands on deck situation. So any way that you want to get involved, let us know and we will find a space for you. That was Jordan Close. So grateful to have her on the show talking about everything that they've been doing in the reproductive freedom movement here in Ohio. She's been at it for a long time and the movement itself is uh, such a precipice of breaking through and really creating something historic here in our state. Now, in case you missed it, we're also voting in an August special election designed to destroy majority rule. Earlier this year, extreme anti-abortion politicians called an August special election to sneak through this constitutional amendment that ends majority rule because they know most Ohioans oppose our state's extreme abortion ban and would vote to undo it. This amendment will make it harder for voters to pass ballot issues, including restoring reasonable abortion laws in Ohio. By changing the rule to require 60% of voters pass any uh, statewide initiative, just 40% of voters could veto any measure, tyranny of the minority. We must defeat this amendment in August so we can restore reproductive freedom in November. Check your voter registration today and mark your calendars to vote no on issue one on August 8th and vote yes for issue one on November 7th. Visit whatsgoodohio.com for show notes and links to the reproductive freedom ballot campaigning and resources to vote no in August. Subscribe to What's Good Ohio wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Keep talking about what's good here in Ohio.